0: Hi, welcome back to the VisualPolitik podcast. I am your host, Simon Whistler. This podcast is the audio version of videos that air on our main YouTube channel, which you can find on YouTube if you search VisualPolitik with a K on the end. So Politica with a K. Uh, this original video was released on the 29th of March 2019. It was called North Korea. Why wasn't the Hanoi summit a failure? Again, with this one, the title pretty much self-explanatory of that. We look at the, uh, the second summit between Trump and Kim Jong-un and look at why it might not have been the failure that everyone kind of thought that it was. Let's get into it. I'm going to be jumping in from the future with any information as needed because, you know, sometimes there are graphs and stuff that don't really work great in the audio format. So I'll jump in and explain them as necessary. And let's get into it.
1: I regret the day I said yes to Mr.
0: Trump. I regret all the help and support I gave him along the way. I am ashamed of my own failings. February the 27th, 2019. Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's lawyer and trusted sidekick for the last decade, appeared before the U.S. Congress. His statement was a bombshell against the president. Cohen accused Trump of cooperating with Russia during the election campaign, as well as several tax crimes. He also described Donald Trump as a racist, a con man, and a cheat. I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. He is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat.
1: a little impressed by that, frankly. he could have gone all out. He only went about 95% instead of
0: 100%. So, David, while Michael Cohen was talking about Donald Trump, the president of the United States himself was thousands of kilometers away from Washington on a trip in Hanoi, the Vietnamese capital, to meet with the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in what was the second summit between the two leaders.
1: But I think having a fake hearing like that And having it in the middle of this very important summit is really a terrible thing. This is a
0: summit that has been dismissed by most of the media as a failure. And this leaves us with a big question. Well, Was the Hanoi summit really a failure? Where exactly did the negotiations between the United States and North Korea end up? Well, Let's take a look. Alright, so there are some exceptions, but generally sequels are never as exciting as the original, right? Well, it looks like something similar happens in Hanoi. Just eight months after the historic first meeting in Singapore, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un saw each other again. Expectations that this time a concrete agreement would be reached with deadlines, goals and objectives. However, that didn't happen. The summit ended hastily, without any specific understanding. On the one hand, North Korea demanded that all international sanctions be eliminated in exchange for dismantling its main nuclear complex, not the only one it has, the Yongbyong Complex, a center dedicated to the production of plutonium and uranium fuel for North Korea's nuclear weapons. On the one hand, the United States demanded that North Korea take the first step, dismantling all of its nuclear programs, production and development centers, including all the clandestine centers. After this, they would contemplate lifting the international sanctions. As you can see, their positions weren't entirely compatible. North Korea didn't
2: want to give up its
0: nuclear program and the United States wasn't willing to make concessions at all.
2: The dilemma that we were confronted with is the North Koreans at this point are unwilling to impose a complete freeze on their weapons of mass destruction programs. So to give many, many billions of dollars in sanctions relief would, in effect, put us in a position of subsidizing the ongoing development of weapons of mass destruction in North Korea. A State Department official speaking to the Washington Post.
0: But don't think this came as a surprise. It's true, Donald Trump did seem very upbeat, thinking that in exchange for guaranteeing a splendid future for North Korea with investments and economic development, he'd managed to convince Kim Jong-un to change his ways. Well, check this out.
2: has arrived in North Korea to make arrangements for the summit between Kim Jong-un and myself. I truly believe North Korea has brilliant potential and will be a great economic and financial nation one day. Kim Jong-un agrees with me on this. It will happen. Donald Trump.
0: But the truth is that his team was much less optimistic.
1: North Korea will seek to retain its WMD capabilities and is unlikely to completely give up its nuclear weapons and production capabilities because its leaders ultimately view nuclear weapons as critical to
0: regime survival. That was Dan Coates, Director of National Intelligence. Both Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and National Security Advisor John Bolton had expressed their doubts about being able to reach an agreement. The fact is that this is what every media source has been told, and is the reason why the summit was considered a true failure. But hold on a second, because the question we want to answer is, Well, was it really a failure? Well, yeah, it kind of was, but also, no. If you are, let's be upfront about this. On Politic, we don't exactly sympathise with Donald Trump, but we always want to be objective, which is not the same as being neutral. So we believe that we can give you three reasons why the summit, unlike what most of the media have said, wasn't an absolute failure. So listen up.
2: Objective, Vietnam.
0: Although it often goes unnoticed, with more than 90 million inhabitants, Vietnam has not only become one of the fastest growing economies in the world in the last three decades, but it's also become increasingly important to the United States. Yes, it may be surprising, but these two countries that less than half a century ago were protagonists of one of the longest and harshest wars in history are now two significant economic and political partners. Shown on screen is a chart from the U.S. Census showing U.S. trade with Vietnam rising from nearly nothing in 2000 to 54.3 billion in 2018. You want more proof of this tight relationship? In March of 2018, the aircraft carrier USS Carl Vinson set sail for four days in Da Nang. It was the first visit to Vietnam by a U.S. military ship since the end of the war in 1975. The point is that Donald Trump's visit didn't have only one goal, but rather two. Allow me to explain. The White House took advantage of this trip to strengthen its ties with the Vietnamese government. Trump met both the President and the Prime Minister and presided over a symbolic act in which several Vietnamese airlines commissioned more than $20 billion to purchase aircraft and services from American companies, in particular Boeing. In addition, they mapped out a free trade agreement and the sale of billions of dollars of military equipment. That's because the United States wants to turn Vietnam into one of its most important partners in this area of the world, both politically and economically. Why? Well, because Vietnam is growing by leaps and bounds. Further, it's very open to trade, it's got unfriendly relations with China, and its workforce has very low labor costs. In other words, it's the perfect country to flood with dollars. Although, I'm not sure how Trump's going to cope with the fact that the United States has a trade deficit with Vietnam of almost $40 billion. Shown on screen at this point is a bar chart from the U.S. Census showing the U.S. trade deficit with Vietnam, which rises from almost nothing in 2000 to nearly $40 billion in 2018. For its part, Vietnam aims to receive all of those dollars to accelerate its development, its autonomy from China and its leadership in Southeast Asia
2: is desperate for a better relationship with Washington and would like a free trade agreement with the Trump administration to ensure it is not entirely dependent on Chinese markets and consumers. Vietnam also would love to purchase large amounts of advanced U.S. military equipment. Harry J. Kazianis, director of Korean studies at the Center for the National Interest.
0: Well, what better way than giving Vietnam the prominence and political influence of hosting a summit of this type? And if they also use it to strengthen ties, well, that's even better, wouldn't you agree? Well, that's precisely what happened. Cards on the Table In a Visual Politic video about the Singapore summit, we explained how North Korea's concept of what denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula means and how it's very different from what the rest of the world understands. North Korea has no intention of giving up its nuclear weapons, at least not in such a straightforward way. It will probably come as no surprise when I say that the North Korean regime is a cruel dictatorship with an absolutely abominable track record when it comes to human rights. Isolated from the rest of the world and ruled with an iron fist by three generations of the family of the current leader, Kim Jong-un, we're talking about a country where citizens can be sent to prison for simply watching, reading or listening to international media. It's a country where any dissent or disagreement about the government can lead to brutal re-education and forced labor camps. It's a country with a state that exploits its own people by making them work in semi-slavery conditions. While well, despite all of this, Donald Trump's desire to push through his precious agreement, along with his predilection for dictators and authoritarian positions, glossed over the true nature of the policies of Pyongyang.
2: Everyone's looking out for their own interests. No one's looking out for the interests of North Korea's citizens. Brad Adams, Asia Director of Human Rights Watch.
1: I'd be very surprised. Uh, very smart, very good negotiator. Really, he's got a great personality. He's a, you know, funny guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a great negotiator. He loves his people. Not that I'm surprised by that, but he loves his people. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone think anything different. Right. He speaks and his people sit up at attention. I want my people to do the right. same.
0: Well, thanks to this failed summit, the cards have remained on the table. Kim Jong Un's regime has no intention of giving up its power or its nuclear weapons. And let's make this clear: forcing North Korea to acknowledge this stance publicly actually strengthens the United States for any future negotiations. Now, any expectations for subsequent agreements have dropped, and that was needed. Actually, it was a very productive two days, but sometimes you have to walk. Washington has gained the upper hand in the negotiations, which they will continue to flex because they know North. Korea desperately needs to overcome its sanctions. Now this all leads us to
2: our third point. The reforms. Everything depends on the reforms.
0: Folks, just 30 years ago, Vietnam was in an even worse situation than North Korea. The country was shattered by wars and suffering from a blockade from China, the United States, Europe and even its Southeast Asian neighbors. Its economy it was literally sunk, leaving about 70% of its inhabitants to live in extreme poverty. Since then, things they have changed a lot. Only around 3% of Vietnam's population lives in extreme poverty. That's a massive reduction, 70% to 3%. Well, The fact is that Vietnam unilaterally implemented its own reform plan known as the Doi Moi. They started doing this even before they reconciled with the international community. That is, they were doing this while they were suffering a blockade from the United States. And what could be a better example for North Korea? What better action to involve Vietnam in this process and set it up as an example? It's a great way to let Pyongyang know what they could achieve.
2: The success of the Vietnamese economy is due to its decision to normalize relations with the United States in 1995. I would say to our North Korean friends, as long as they have a conflict with the United States, they will not be able to develop their economy properly. Major General Nguyen Le Van Quang, former director of the Institute of Strategic Studies at the Vietnamese Ministry of Public Security. Kim Jong-un
0: seems determined to promote economic reforms and open North Korea. Well, what better way to
2: persuade him than by showing him the results? No revolutionary tasks stand before us other than the improvement of the economy and people's daily lives. Kim Jong Un
0: Folks, the United States it seems to know that the North Korean problem will only be solved with a new strategy that focuses more on trade than on weapons. Maybe the summit didn't have the expected result, but does that mean it was a failure? The answer is not so clear at first glance, especially if we consider the White House's new strategy.
2: We are not going to invade North Korea. We are not seeking to topple the North Korean regime. We are ready for a different future. It's bigger than denuclearization. I'm absolutely convinced, and more importantly, the president of the United States is convinced that it's time to move past 70 years of war and hostility on the Korean peninsula. There is no reason for this conflict to persist any longer. Stephen R. Began, the US Special Representative for North Korea.
0: So I hope you like that podcast. Please do consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. That would be great and kind of you. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you like. We always appreciate it. Uh, Let us know how we're doing. You can drop me an email, um, simon at simonwhistler.com. Let me know how this podcast is for you, if you like it, if you enjoy it, all of that good stuff. And I will see you in the next episode. I won't see you. You'll hear me. This is a podcast. Bye.